Hi, this is Seth Mosley, and you're listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. It's our second episode of Ask Me Anything, and it's literally just that. We have several people who have called into the show and just asked the question, and I'm going to be going through and giving the best answers that I can. I love this episode because if you're new to the music business, then there's some really tangible advice that's going to help you a ton. As always, our goal with this show is to pull the curtain back a little bit behind the mystery or mystique of the music business and how do things actually work? How do you get a publishing deal? How do songs get placed on the record? How do songs get on the radio? How do you get a record deal? How do you publicists work? And I love doing these episodes. This is our second one we've done. And I love doing these because it's a great opportunity for us to hear from you, to hear from the listeners. And speaking of listeners, it's been so incredible just to see the growth over time of the Full Circle Music Show. And we just can't say thank you enough for tuning in every week, for listening, and for leaving us good ratings and reviews on iTunes, helping get the word out. We know you're telling your friends about it because it's growing every single month. And there's lots of people listening from all over the world. So yeah, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for listening and thank you for committing this much time to hear from us each week. These Ask Me Anything episodes, which we're doing today, are a great reminder that people are listening, they're getting value out of it. And if you've never heard the Full Circle Music Show, this may be a great episode for you to start with because it's very simple, tangible advice, great questions, and you get to hear from some of the other listeners on the show. But before we dive in, just a quick announcement. So maybe you've heard of our Music Makers Bootcamp. We've received rave reviews already, and you might have been able to attend one of ours. We do them from time to time, a couple times a year in Franklin, Tennessee. Good news is we have a waiting list up at fullcirclegoeslive.com because you'll be at the very front of the list and have priority access to tickets for the very next time that we announce one, which will be coming up very soon. So head over to fullcirclegoeslive.com. These events have been described as life-changing, as very helpful, as very tangible. We try to get the best industry experts together under one roof to come and share their insights and knowledge about the music business so it doesn't have to be some big secret, some big mystery. So that's the Music Makers Boot Camp a condensed weekend of intense learning and education and networking. So check that out. It's at fullcirclegoeslive.com. Get on the waiting list and don't miss your opportunity to get to the next one. Fullcirclegoeslive.com. All right. So ask me anything. This is the second one of these that we've done and we're going to hear from our first listener. My name is Tara Blake. And my question is, is there a specific talent you have to have just to get into the industry, how do you find talent? Well, that is a great question. If you've heard me speak at any of our events, you've heard me do my talk called Talent is Less Important Than You Think. And it's a little bit of a shock, but I am the first person to tell you that talent really is only the top of the funnel. You have to have a certain amount of talent to get into the industry, but it's really not talent when you, when you boil it down that is why certain people are successful. And let me tell you why I believe people find success in the music business. It's it's the ones who are driven and it's the ones who are willing to serve. I often say that serving is really the key element of somebody that is successful in the 2017 music business. It's people who are always out looking to give rather than to 
take and how that looks is different from each artist to artist. But as far as speaking more specifically to your question on talent, there are tons of great ways. If you're a talent out there to get your music out there, to get found, and this may sound kind of counterintuitive, but YouTube and SoundCloud are your best friend. They don't cost you anything to get right in front of the gatekeepers of the modern music industry. Just think about that for a second. If you rewind 20 years ago, you would have had to show up to a record label in Nashville or LA with your demo or find somebody that would accept a physical piece of mail with your press kit. Now you can literally just make a lyric video for pretty cheap or free if you can do it yourself. Put it on YouTube and if the song is good enough and it resonates with the right person at the right time, then that's how you get found. I've heard so many people that have gotten found just off of YouTube, off of SoundCloud. And really the key is getting referrals. You, you, you ultimately want to be working on building relationships and, and not relationships where you're just looking to take something or where you're looking to gain something from them. But really, it, most of the people that I know who are successful in this business understand the importance of relationship and that people who are actively doing this every day full-time at labels or producers are really going to be looking for referrals. See, we're, most of us are not out actively searching YouTube but if I get a YouTube link from a friend of mine who I know, who I trust, says, hey, check this out, then I may listen to it because my inbox is pretty bombarded with, hey, I've, I've got this friend from so-and-so. Here's his, his uh, video he just put out. And it would be a full-time job for me to just go through and listen and critique and go through submissions. So there are people at labels who do that, but your best bet is to get out to those live events, meet people who are actually in the business, start building those relationships, and then you can submit your videos, you can submit your music, or you can send them even a SoundCloud link. It doesn't have to be this big, drawn-out production. I think it is worth mentioning that I believe in trying to present yourself in the best form because you really only get one good first impression. So whether that means having a good demo, at least having good quality mic capturing your voice, having it be a good performance where you're singing on key and on time, having the track that feels good, having a decent mix. So that stuff is important because really you only do get one first impression. But that's a little bit on talent. So that is a great question. And our next one's coming to us from Minnesota. Hi, Seth. This is Megan Larson. Um, first, I hope that you're doing really well. Um, my question for the Full Circle Ask Me Anything episode is, do you have any advice on time management? Um, I'd love to know or hear any input that you have on that. Thanks so much. I love that question from Megan because time management may not seem applicable to a lot of you listeners out there, but it really is everything. How is it that some people, even though we all only get 24 hours in a day, nobody actually gets more, how is it that some people seem like they get so much more done than others? And I'm kind of a nerd about this. I, I am a bit of a productivity freak. I think one part of the answer to that is just being present. And that's something that so many of us are really bad at. And one tip for being present is just shut off your iPhone for a while. Shut off your Samsung Galaxy or whatever your uh, computer is in front of you. Uh, airplane mode is a 
really, really good tool that we use in my house, not only for when I'm doing work, but when I'm doing family time, because making the most of your time is not just about getting the most done. It's about doing the things in life and doing the things every day that really matter and that really count. See, I'm a big proponent of goal setting. I think not only in your mind, but if you don't already have one, just go out and buy a a journal. Write down your top 10 favorite goals. You know, maybe your first goal is to literally just get a song recorded, or maybe your goal is to get your music submitted to a publisher, get a publishing deal, um, book your first show if you're an artist. And writing those things down is really, really helpful because it helps get the idea from uh, intangible to tangible. So I'm a big fan of goal setting, and that's a big part of time management because what I like to do is you write down your, your, your top 10, figure out what is the most important one, circle it, cross out all the rest. And then once you've finished that top one, then you move on to the next one, circle it, cross out all the rest, and just focus on one thing at a time. See, I do believe that humans are really, really bad at multitasking. It actually is not even a real thing. It really just means people are getting distracted and bouncing back and forth between uh, two things at once and in reality, probably not doing either of them very well. So if you've got these music goals and you're working a full-time job, I know it's tough. I know it's hard to find that time when you got family stuff going on, you got church, you got whatever else in your life. But it really is one of those things that just like my friend Jason Ingram says, your calendar will tell me if you're a songwriter or not. Your calendar will tell me if you're an artist or not. It's really a matter of you prioritizing. And that's what it comes down to. There's a big, big difference between intention and action. So prioritizing is about setting aside, even if it's two hours a day. If you're not a morning person, learn to be a morning person. Wake up at five every day before you have to go to work and spend an hour or two working on your your music goals. Maybe work on building a list of people that you want to contact. Maybe work on, maybe that's your songwriting time. But just prioritizing and putting it on your calendar, on paper, or if you're like me, putting it in your iCal. So you have no excuse. You've, you need the accountability. And that's the other big thing is really successful people don't exist in a vacuum. You need accountability. You need community around you. And one of the big reasons for this is that fact that if you're going to be talking to the same people every week, you're going to want to know that you accomplished your goals and you're holding each other accountable to it because you don't want to show up and be in those conversations and be the person that didn't do what they said they were going to do. So accountability is really key. If you live in a small town and you maybe don't have any other people in your sphere that are wanting to pursue music and share the same goals as you, There's a lot of really good ways around that. There's a lot of good Facebook groups out there. There's a lot of good meetups out there. And developing relationships, even over Skype or FaceTime, or even Facebook, can be a powerful thing to keep you on track towards your goals. So Megan, maybe that's a good first step, is just find that accountability or mentorship or guidance that you need to keep you on track. And one last thing that I'll say about time management is that so many of us are really good at putting off the hard things, even though we know in the back of our minds that they're going to be the most important things. There's this 
business book from a guy named Brian Tracy who, uh, it's called Eat That Frog. And it basically talks about once you do the hard thing, then everything else just gets a little bit easier and a little bit easier. It's about finding what is that one thing that's going to make the biggest difference right away for everything else in your music career and in your life. So for those of you out there who maybe know that that hard thing is getting up the courage to go talk to somebody or to make a phone call or to ask a question, get outside of your comfort zone, that's often what it requires. A mentor of mine once said, do what you fear most if you feel like you're stuck. Just do what you fear most. And that has been one of the best pieces of advice that I think I've ever received in my life. And it may sound like it has nothing to do with time management, but my encouragement to anyone listening out here is that whatever your goals are, look through it and look, look at what, what one of those goals is the scariest, the biggest, the how am I going to accomplish this kind of goal and start there. Now, that doesn't mean you can't break up your goals into action steps. I am a big, big fan of putting things into action steps. And often, your action steps are so much smaller than you realize. It could literally be that your first thing takes two minutes to do, and then your next one takes two minutes. And then you just start gaining momentum. And before you know it, you've accomplished that big, scary goal just by doing things a little bit at a time. But it really is about writing it out and putting it in order so you feel like you have control of your time and you're not just letting time control you. Hey there, this is Dave Pettigrew. I'm a Christian recording artist based in New York City. And I've got a couple of questions. Uh, it's actually a five-part question. If you could speak about the writing process, uh, where you get ideas from, how they're fleshed out, what makes a great song, and then how the Christian music industry views songwriting versus the secular industry. I know that's probably an entire podcast in itself, but if you could uh, shine a little light on that stuff, that'd be great. If you want to find me, I'm at dponthewebcom and you can check out some of my music there. Thanks again for all you're doing. Love what you guys are up to and uh, look forward to hearing your answers. Thanks. It's a great question from Dave. And the first part, he asks the writing process, how do you get ideas? Well, that is a podcast episode in itself. How do you get ideas to write songs? Here is one tip. And I learned this from a friend of mine really early on, Mia Fields. She always carries around a notebook just full of song titles. And she's always adding to it. I've been out in public with her before and we're just having a conversation and something sparks something. And before you know it, she's written down, oh, that's a song idea. And it might just be one word. A lot of, a lot of great songs come from these one word titles. So that's one tip. Another thing, and, and this is something that I firmly believe that the best songs really come when you've lived them and not just when you've written them. So a lot of my writing process when I'm co-writing with other people is that we spend the first 30 or 40 minutes literally just talking and getting to hear each other's uh, stories, hear what's going on in each other's lives. And we write songs often from something that someone in the room has said. So I really believe there's something to be said of an audience knows when songs are genuine. An audience knows when songs come from a genuine place. So I really do believe that they have to come from real world experience or at least watching something happen. Even if it's not your story, you can write songs about what your friends are going through. Maybe you don't put their names in them. I think they'll thank you for that. But it really has to come from where you're at. 
Another way to get ideas is just by listening to music too. I think there is a, a great tool that the pros use and it's just referencing. We do lots of referencing every single day. We're not afraid to admit that. Uh, we're listening to the radio. We're listening to the top Spotify playlists. And we're not listening so that we can rip ideas off. Uh, there, there's a big balance between ripping off and just drawing inspiration from. And in the beginning, you might start closer to the imitation side and eventually you'll be able to come out with your own versions of what you're inspired by. So I'm a big fan of listening to music. A lot of the times we'll literally just pull up Spotify at the beginning of a writing session and just listen to a ton of different music that we're all loving. Just go around the room and say, hey, have you heard this song? Have you heard this song? And just play. And it kind of gets it into your system so that you're subconsciously carrying an energy into the songwriting session. So those are just a few quick tips on getting song ideas and getting started. Second part of your question is how, how songs are flushed out. Uh, again, we could camp on this idea for a long time, but how, how songs are flushed out is it's really just time. Some songs come quicker than others, but me personally, I like to start with building up uh, a piece of music, maybe a track or a chord progression or a drum beat, and then we'll start singing melodies over top of it. The melodies don't even necessarily have to have words. It can just be vowel sounds and phonics and phrasing and rhythms. So we'll kind of camp on that for, for a while. And then after a little bit, a lyric will arise. And what's the song saying? What's it trying to say? We, I think there's a, there's a term in songwriting called prosody where you want to make sure that the lyric is matching what the music and the melody are trying to say. And that sounds a little bit funny, but it's really about making a spirit of cohesion between your lyric, your melody, and your music. So we're always thinking about that. But my, my typical order is start with the track, start with the melody, and then flesh the lyric out. So that's me personally. I have a lot of friends that do it other ways. Uh, some people will start with an entire page full of lyrics, but I'm very big on songs being singable and not just readable lyrics off of a page. After all, they're songs. That's what they're meant to be. Third part of your question, what makes a great song? Man, Dave is just bringing the great, great questions. You want great answers? You ask great questions. I love that. So what makes a great song? I think number one is timelessness. It's that you can listen to it in 10 years from now and it'll still be just as good and it will still hit you in a place that, that matters. It's not just about being the flavor of the week. I think the second thing is catchiness, a song that sticks in your head after the first or second time that you hear it and you can't get it out of your head. You always find yourself waking up in the middle of the night singing it. And catchiness, hookiness. Uh, familiarity is another kind of touchstone of great pop songs. Familiarity doesn't necessarily mean it is something else, but it maybe kind of reminds you of something else. And again, like our earlier tip, there is a big difference between ripping something off and just drawing inspiration from it. Familiarity can even be within a song. One thing that we do often in our production tricks and our arrangements is that we'll start a song with a hook that will kind of 
poke its head out throughout the song and reappear from time to time so that there's a little element of familiarity woven in and out of that same song. That's the same principle that the chorus is the same every single time. So by chorus three, you're going to know exactly what it is. So familiarity makes a great song. And the other big one for me is emotion. I think your song can have all of the right pieces. It can have a great rhyme scheme, can have that hooky melody, but the emotion has got to be there. There's got to be just a intangible heart connect that happens that is inspiring or that makes you want to go out and do something or just meets you where you're at and makes you want to cry. And so I think the best songs evoke some kind of emotion and whether you're writing Christian music or country music or pop music, they're all based around a different set of emotions. Fourth part of your question is, how do the Christian music industry view songwriting versus a secular industry? Well, I don't often love putting labels on genres because really the only difference with Christian music is the lyric. Christian and country music are really the only two genres that are sort of defined by what the lyric is, how it's written, and what it's written about. So I think the Christian music industry views songwriting just about the same as any other industry. We all want a good song. We all want to hear the same truth that we've heard time and time again, but we want to hear it said in a new and a fresh way. And that's really the art. Anytime you're writing Christian music or country music or music for any niche or genre, is to find those new and fresh ways to do it. But that's what keeps us waking up every day as songwriters. And that's the challenge that's in front of us. We're not just walking into a writing room to write the same exact song that we wrote yesterday or to write the same song somebody else wrote five years ago. We are constantly looking for ways to say things differently, to sing them differently, to present them differently. So I would think that the Christian music industry as a whole really just views the lyric as the most important part of the process. But for me personally, I do believe that subliminally, people who are listening to Christian music want there to be a great melody. They want the track to feel great. They want the song to spark some kind of emotion in them. And to top that off, the lyric has to be great and it has to be a new way of looking at your faith or carrying you through a hard time in your life. Dave, that is a great question or several questions, I should say. And we'll head over to our next listener. Hi, Steph. This is Shadana. My question is, has winning awards changed you? Wow. This is a big question. I'm a big believer that success and money and fame does not change who you are. It only amplifies who you already are. I think if you're a generous person to begin with before you've made it, then when you've made it, you're going to be 10 times more generous. The flip side of that is, is that if you're a stingy person in the beginning, then when you make it, you're going to hold on to everything with a very closed fist, even more so after you've made it. So I think it's really important to know your intentions of why are you in this business in the first place? Are you in it because you want the validation from other people? Are you in it because you want the money or the feeling that you get from writing songs? And some of those things are actually good emotions. We all have a little bit of that, but ultimately our intention 
as songwriters and as music makers really needs to be for other people. What we do is not about us. It's, it's, it's a gift. We're here to give, not to take. So for me personally, I would hope that anyone who knows me and who has known me for a long time would say that, no, awards haven't changed me at all. Any of the guys on my team, I would say the same thing about. Even after Grammys, they're still the same guys. They just have a little more hardware on their wall and a little more track record that they can be proud of. But down to the character, the people that I know who have won awards, who I've been friends with for a long time, are really just the same person. They just are a more amplified version of who they were in the first place. We're going to go over to our last question for the day. Hi, this is Tiffany. My question is, how do you go from being an independent artist to a signed independent artist? I know that this being the age of technology, everybody has their own either Facebook page or Instagram account or Musical.ly or what have you where they showcase themselves singing or playing or whatever their talent might be. And I've been singing for many years um, contemporary Christian music. And of course, I, like everybody else, want to be signed to a, uh, uh, a record label. And I thought about doing that as well, but there's so many people who who go that route that you, uh, I feel like my video or podcast or whatever would get lost in the submissions and because I feel like there's so many. Once you've seen one, you've seen them all. And I'm just wondering what would be the best way to be heard, be seen, in the best way you can and be noticed, not just lost in the sea of people who have the same dream as you, which is to be signed and to be heard and, I guess, to stand out. Well, I picked this question last because I really want to drive the point home. We have another episode which is episode 54, called What Do Labels Look For? So for those of you who have the same question as Tiffany out there, the reality is this. Labels are not just looking for something that's good. They're not looking for something that's really good. They're looking for something that is so great and so captivating that they have to fly you to town, meet you, sign you, and put a record out or a a song out. It's got to be that compelling. And that doesn't always translate to meaning the best singer or the best looking person or the best written song, according to Songwriting 101. It can sometimes just equate to timing. And there are certain things that God breathes on and that he chooses not to breathe on. And I don't know the answers for why that is. I don't think I ever will. But here's what I do know is that if you keep showing up every day, it really, really is a numbers game. The more songs you put out there, the more material you put out there, there's a greater chance that one of those things is gonna connect somewhere. If you get to writing your 10th or 15th song and you feel like giving up because, man, nobody's nobody's giving you the time of day, well, here's the hard reality. You need to keep going and do another 10 times that. Go write another 100 songs. Go write another 200 songs and then see where you're at. 
It really is about the process of becoming a better artist, a better songwriter, a better producer. It isn't just about an end result. If you can find enough joy and fulfillment and satisfaction in the process of that, of, of learning and getting better and just creating music, then that's ultimately what's going to sustain you and keep you going in it. Here's the thing. A label knows that once they sign you, it really is only the beginning. The record deal really is not the end result, especially nowadays. Labels, although they are very important and can be instrumental in an artist's career, cannot make or break an artist. It really is up to the artist. It's up to you. It's up to the songwriter. It's up to the producer. And a lot of the students that we have an opportunity to mentor in the Full Circle Academy, they come through and I can tell, they, they really just think that if, if only I had this, if only I had the record deal, if only I had the publishing deal, or if only I had the production deal, then things would start to take off. And if I could just pull back the curtain on that, it really is only an introduction. The only thing a, a record deal or a publishing deal can do nowadays is give you just a little bit more clout behind your name, maybe get you in a room with a few more people that you wouldn't have been able to otherwise, but you still have to deliver. You still have to be the one who brings those great ideas over and over again. And here's the other part of it. You have to be a person that attracts success. And what do I mean by that? I don't think success is something that you just achieve. I think it's something that you attract. And what that means is, when you go in and get invited into a write with, with an A-list songwriter or when you get to produce a track for an artist, do they invite you back to do it a second time and a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time? Do they keep you around? So it really does come down to can you deliver after you get the deal? So artists out there really need to know that labels are looking for what are they already doing on their own? Myself owning a record label, when I look at the submissions that we get, I'm not looking at so much, do I like the song? I obviously have to love the music, but I'm more so looking at what, what are you doing? What's the story? Are you out touring? How long have you been doing this thing? What are you doing on social media? How are you connecting with your fan base? What's your email list like? Are you interacting with your audiences? What are you doing different than any other artist out there? And why should I believe that you're going to keep doing this for another 10 or 15 years? Because as a label, you're investing a lot of money and time in an artist. And to give one artist a chance, it means you're taking a slot that could belong to another artist and reserving it for somebody else. So that's a privilege. Labels really only have bandwidth to take on a few things. And if you're in Christian or country music, which are very radio-driven formats, then there are really only a few slots available on radio at any given time anyway. So as a label owner, we have to be 100% convinced that not only do you have the talent, not only do you have the image, not only do you have the heart, but you also have the drive that no matter if we sign you or not, you're going to keep doing it with or without us. And those are the artists that we want to sign as labels. So this has been Seth Mosley. This is part one of Ask Me Anything. We'll be back next week with part two. More questions from you guys, the listeners. This has been the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz, produced by the Full Circle Music Company. 
head over to fullcirclegoeslive.com to get on the waiting list for our next Music Makers Boot Camp. Don't miss it.